We practice it, we drill it, but why do we really tap? A question we're going to dive into tonight. We really saw another example. Fighting is way easier outside the cage or outside the mat. Um, It's much easier to get out of 50-50 guard uh, when you're just watching it from the screen. That means it's time for Verbal Tap. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how you doing? You were at a tournament. You were running a tournament. You were commentating. Yes. In my brain, I think I'm still there. Yeah, perfect. Stay there. (laughs) Stay there because we've got all sorts of – I can't even hide it. Mark Shipper is back. At My Times Pros, Chicago, consecutive weeks. Also a jiu-jitsu nerd. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm more excited than you are. I can tell you that much. And you were uh, where today? Well, today was a regular day. I was I was at my gym training. Maybe you're referring to Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry, Saturday. What were you? Yeah, I was at I was at Arlington Park picking the ponies, as we say in the year 2017. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So let me ask this, because if you're on our show, it uh, bodes not well for you. But how much money did you lose? Oh man, I know. I took the I took the verbal tap uh, curse with me to the track. You know what? I didn't do too bad, though. I, I just about broke even. I won a few. I lost a few. And uh, one that I thought I was going to come on on fell through. You know, it's the science of picking the ponies. But, you know, ask our president. Sometimes science fails. We're not we're not that podcast. And, you know, what? it's only going to infuriate us if we start talking about, you know, that guy. Let's uh, leave him out of everything. I we, we should really leave him out of it. Though I'm going to say this. Uh, if you guys were shocked at Kathy Griffin's thing. You probably are the same people who are like, oh, worlds every year. Oh, again. Who knew they would do this? It's is it just who's tired of 50 50 and referees decisions? This is my favorite. I'm not actually uh, specifically upset, Mark, but I feel like every year for the last four years, and this is one of my favorite things that Raph's alluding to. (laughs) Everyone the day after Worlds is like, what the fuck is with the referees? It's like, yeah, we had this talk last year. Then we collectively did nothing. Okay, so. Yeah. uh, Well, some of us did nothing, Kevin. That's We produced a podcast. Some of us also. Well, I mean, every year at this time, don't, don't get us wrong. It's great fuel for us because everybody and their mom is always like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Oh, God, this is the worst. I'm going to complain. And it's fun for us because it gives us shit to talk about. Yeah. I, on the other hand, I actually produced sub-only tournaments. And I want to make sure people know this. I did not take the low dangling fruit that was Andre Galvo going to interfere on a blue belt match to promote my tournament with every fiber of my being. I wanted to say, Hey everybody, if you'd like a special less referee interaction with a coach, come to the USSGL USSGL submissions only. I did not do that. I did not. Now maybe I created a video where I parodied maybe a former president and used my impression skills to allude to it. Yes, but I did not do the dangling fruit of putting that on Facebook and saying that. Because, Kev, I'm going to tell you the best tagline I came up with for promoting that tournament last week. Yes. USSGL Fresno Open. Sub only. And Andre Galvo won't be there. <laughs> Ooh, wow. 
But I did not do that because I have, uh, you know, I have a little thing called dignity, guys. Yeah. Plus, you were one of the main inspirations for Mad Men, if I recall correctly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, with copy like that, I mean, you're talking about, you know, I mean, that was scintillated. I sense sarcasm in your voice, and I will choose to ignore <laughs> it because good man. that's the power of when you have influence, sir. Uh <laughs> Uh, to the people who have uh, joined in to hear about the USSGO, we will talk more about that in a little bit. But we have some housekeeping to get to, which is we do one of my favorite things. And, Mark, we're going to include you in on this. We're going to start our discussion with Worlds. I was there covering for uh, Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, I was hosting my own tournament. But Kevin was watching a whole bunch as well. I know you watched a whole bunch as well. There are lots of topics to go ahead and chime off with. But we're going to start. Yeah. On our little sh- uh, little show here with doing one of my favorite segments, which is we say describe worlds in three words. Now, Mark, you just put one on here, which yeah. I feel is cheating because I said the best ones will be on the podcast and you're on the podcast. Right. So I'm not going to read it. Why don't you read what your three words were? Oh, what did I? It was uh, it was uh, what was my third face head? All we do is win. win. Oh, wow. So what what was my last one? Wins. I'm going to change it to face head tap. <laughs> okay. Now explain your answer. This is one thing we normally can't do, but we'll ask you explain your answer, sir. Well, face head is an abstract concept and I could spend all night trying to explain it to you and it wouldn't work. So face head tap, it's more of a it's like you know how they tell you when you read poetry, it's like it doesn't make sense, you just feel it. Just kind of sit back and feel that one face head tap. There's it a ring face, to it. Well, it's face head wins, but face head you know. wins, right? But I wanted to change it to tap because it just sounds better right now to me. You really are an artist, so we can tell. Yeah, that. let's start reading some, Kev. Why don't you go ahead and start for us, sir? Yeah, and of course, it leads with uh, what I think encapsulates this is from Ethan Gross. Um, it's barf in sort of a stage direction way. <laughs> His foot. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think we know who that refers to. I I like uh, I like some stage direction in here too. It's always nice to get a little touch of screenplay uh, right into the Facebook. So, Tell us, Kevin, starting over on uh, the Facebook uh, on the verbal tap page. I'll read one from my own personal page, which was Pablo Castillo, who said, "Tap or snap." It's... That's a little on the nose, isn't it? Well, you know, we hope that people are you just are have to describe it. Uh, creative Joe Pilmer I like this what's a toehold <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this right now there's about 20 toehold comments so we'll do our best to sift through these no uh, we're going to say every one of them because I watched it live <laughs> and I need to process it before I talk to my therapist this week <laughs> yeah no kidding Donna Gonzalez uh, a podcaster who couldn't decide that one name was the same as both uh, for a lesser podcast, wrote wins via Portuguese. Nice. <laughs> there you go. So I've got a I've got a back to backer. Jason okay. Calhoun just hits us with a an, an analysis. Worlds are flat, and he put the apostrophe s, which is good because otherwise that just says worlds are flat, which gets us into a Kyrie place, and I'm not going there. So good <laughs> punctuation. And then Jeremy Barnett rallies us with a, are you blind? <laughs> Exclamation <laughs> points. 
<laughs> which is a great uh, classic coach yell. Classic. Uh, Donald Scott Davis, another person from another podcast that's inferior, wrote, what the fuck? <laughs> now, here's the issue with this. He didn't just do one. He then did, are you serious? And then followed up with, is he serious? <laughs> now, when you put that, um, obviously, these are basically uh, lines from Chandler Bing on Friends. Uh, <laughs> as we're there with the emphasis. Uh, I mean, listen, dude, I'm going to say this. When people do the is he serious and are you serious, let's get some nouns in there. Because there's a lot of ways you could go on is he serious, if I'm just saying. Uh, I'll read one from my instructor, Marcelo, who said, I didn't go. Cry face emoji. Which, I mean, you missed out on some good stuff there, Marcelo, but not too bad. Kev, what do you got for us? I'm going to go to Chuck Rooney that hits us with some Noah Saeed jail which is an astute observation and something Raph uh, posted a public address about. And then Kobe ASAP Roland, I enjoy this wordplay. It says, EBI can't wait. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. And Jonathan Trejo, I think is this is a good lesson for it. Just has learn some Portuguese, which, you know. Yeah. Um, Alexander Castro wrote, os, os, os. Yeah, Thanks. there you go. All right. Uh, we had Joe Gilpin, uh, host of another inferior podcast, wrote Lower Than Low. Uh, Joe O'Gindy, which I, I need to shout out Lower Joe than because. Low is nice. <laughs> that fucker. That Seems fucker a little pessimistic, it. doesn't it? I mean, it could be. It depends on your interpretation. But let me go on Joe for a second. Joe, I was asking him to do my tournament, and he's like, Raph, when is it? And I said, June 4th. And he goes, Oh, I can't. And I was like, Why? And I'm thinking to myself, do you have a good excuse for not being able not. to do my tournament? And he said, oh, I can't. It's a Damian Maya seminar. And I was like, "You, now I'm super mad at you. So, Is it acceptable shoes, or no? It's yeah, not acceptable because okay. I don't get to have that seminar with Damian Maya. So, no, it is not okay. acceptable. No, I like that. That's petty. I like that. Yeah, Of course it's petty. We what do you say, think it's going to be? You we think go, we have good reasons? We go That's low beautiful. on this podcast. Hey, can I, can I add another three another three-parter? Oh, fine. Yeah. Just, just one more. This, this was based on a locker room discussion tonight at the academy, and it, it goes like this: Zhao Miao, hmm? Question mark. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's essentially a song at that point. Yeah, but you know the thing about it, and listen, this is pure speculation. I'm not making any kind of accusations, but it Paulo got popped, right? I mean, he's out two years for IBJJF competition. Uh, what about the guy he spends 12 hours a day on the mats with? Clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. Thank you for mm-hmm. asking. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. All right, you guys are right. I'm convinced. <laughs> I was just trying to come up with a four beat for Zhao uh, <laughs> Miao. Hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, Kev, I'm going to uh, have you go on. Brian Morrow, really bad refs. Guild Gomes, lots of mistakes. I like the uh, back and forth here. Jordan Bacchus also has a did not go, uh, and he put an emoji, and an emoji counts as a character. And my instructor did that as well, yeah. Mike Staranka got the foot pointed backwards, which I I like as a good. That was a good one. Of all the footlock ones, I think that's one of the best ones. That's pretty uh, good. Danny Gata, I just can't afford flow graph. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go on this one. Uh, Ricardo Amendolia put no acai gel. We've covered that and then wrote, it was lit. 
Um, this one's important to me because this was a great match. Uh, Chase Shafter wrote, Renee got robbed. And that would be Renee Lopez, who had a fantastic match with Isaac Doderline, took his back uh, over. So Renee took Isaac's match outside the ring and then just got an advantage. And then they got stood up, which uh, is the roughest place to be. It's almost like why take someone's back. Like, it, it it's always so, like, demoralizing. Like, I've always thought this, Kev. When they, like, have you go ring out, and then they do that thing where they, like, go, I'm going to give you two points. I'm like, I don't want points. I want the finish, you dick. So there was that. Uh, Renee got robbed. Uh, it was a great match. You guys should go look and find that out for yourself. Uh, Kevin, I need you to read one in a second. So I'm going to send this one to you. I'm going to read a couple more, but I need you personally to read this one, okay? Okay. Because Kev was doing something off air that I think was indicative of really showing that he's the person to read this comment in particular from. So uh, the minute you get it, Kevin, let me know. But uh, Mike Stronka also put no photos, please. I will come back to that momentarily. Erico DeCampo said, Ocampo said, snap, crackle, pop. Michael Studeman said, limited by language. Oh, you weren't asking philosophically. You were talking about something else. Mike is a nerd. Shut up, Mike. You have no idea what's going on. Kev, did you get the thing? Yeah. Uh, from Fernando Leo- Leonor. What a fucking cow! God. It's just, uh, it's great. It was, let me, let me see if I can say it a little bit better. Because uh, Kevin Offair was using his Portuguese language, which he is what? a native speaker. Yeah. How would you judge that uh, that that reading there, Mark? Oh, what I just heard from Kevin. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what scale do you want it on? Stars or one to ten or what are you looking Let's for? Let's do stars. Ooh. Let's do five stars. Oh. Oh, I mean that was. You did get you got the one full star on that. One, <laughs> one star. One uh, one full though, not you know not a, better than a half. <laughs> one full star. If this were Lyft, we'd have words. He's looking where <laughs> The interesting thing about stars, where can you go to do those? Uh, um, I don't understand the setup. You fucking asshole. You guys would like to give more than one star. You can give five stars to us here at the podcast. Damn it. Uh, Five stars. Remind me. I'm just... uh, Just fucking terrible. Let's get through uh, as many of these as we can. I've got two left. I do have to give you credit for that. That was a great lead-in. It was a great lead-in. Everyone that listens to the podcast, you know, all... Baker's auditorium if, of you are like this, fucking five stars, Kevin. They're saying it right into the radio. I can kind of sort if of If this it. was a game show, everybody would be so sad for me that I didn't <laughs> win the million dollars and so angry at Kevin. It's like blank Dakota. And I'm like, Wyoming? <laughs> <laughs> what? No. God damn it. Uh, okay. Uh, let me read a couple because you've Carry got more on. than I do on this side. Uh, Nicholas Chen wrote, Cheating is trying. Vernon Kirk wrote Justice for Gavin. <laughs> Caleb Johnson wrote That's a Knee Bar, which made me think that maybe Galvo was playing uh, a version of Knifey Spoonie of like uh, that with the refs of like, that's not a knee bar, but like in Portuguese, which is like, my brother, that is not a knee bar, my friend. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Kevin, why don't you read your next two? Uh, from Andrew Bernhock, can't DQ Atos. And the reason <laughs> I like this is. Didn't they three years ago, two years ago? Didn't I mean, Galvan get DQ'd. I feel like I, I mean, remember this happening. Did uh, he get uh, DQ'd? 
I feel like three or four years ago he got DQ'd for Worlds because he yelled during a lower belt match like three days prior. Wow, he's a passionate man. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And then Wes Levine, uh, just unless you are Brazilian. And I think Which I think him. sums that up nicely. We're going to go through uh, the, the remainders that I've got here so far, which is uh, Justin Bensima wrote Dat Toehold. We had on the Instagram side, we had Ron Henderson, who wrote refs, check map, absolute. <laughs> Sorello wrote uh, that toehold. Chris Wasu wrote winner via DQ. <laughs> Satanic Hispanic wrote 50-50. Ruben Iavella wrote three, uh, which was OMG his foot. Damn, he's fast. Faria is mad? Which, uh, yes, Bernardo Faria was actually super mad at Urberth and said it was like the biggest disrespect he has ever had in 17 years worth of competing. Wow, Bernardo's such a nice guy too. For him to go off like that, he was—he must have been really. It's funny when he gets angry too because his voice is like three octaves higher pitched than you think it would be for a man of his size. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time when I hear him when talk. he starts yelling, it's hilarious. Uh, Kev, do you have the rest on Instagram? Oh no, I didn't pull up the. Let me find the Instagram. And... I'll read them. <laughs> Manny92 wrote, Boo, Che, Cha. Yeah, I still want to call him the Chach. I, I don't <laughs> think that's a thing. <laughs> it sounds like you have to shave your Chach. I like this so. next one on the Instagram. <laughs> the John Guillemberti P E D, which is uh, alluding to maybe something Mark brought up a little earlier. I don't think anybody in Jiu Jitsu does steroids, though, Kevin. I Especially don't either. Worlds. Yeah. Nicholas exactly. score 51, one by advantage, which is a great summation for like most of it. Uh, oh, Piranha <laughs> underscore Al, same old shit, which, yeah, <laughs> I also like that. The advanced grappler, Andre's moonwalk. <laughs> and, oh, perfect. Uh, McDojo Life chimed in from Florida and didn't use any slurs, Raph. This is great. Flat round revolving. If anything, you went deep. It's kind of romantic. I know. It's full of surprises. So we had a lot of topic discussions in there. Let's start with the most obvious one. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Knee bar 50-50 with the Galvo situation. So I actually really want you guys to tell me because I wasn't listening to the sound as this all started to go down. And I got it. I, I thought it was in 50-50, but I can certainly understand how that slips. Could you, uh, could you guys give me some perspective on uh, how he got out there and what was going on? All right, Mark. No, you should go ahead because my knowledge of this match is is all secondhand. I know what I heard secondhand, which which I think I have an opinion, but you should go if you saw it. All right. As the one person who did work here, let's go ahead and discuss what happened. All right. So there was a great moment when we were uh, on first day, blue belts, blue belts, mind you, Andre Gavo being there like a good coach. And, you know, when your coach is there, sometimes they can get fanatical. Andre is a passionate guy. has a lot of heart to him. But that passion can sometimes be loud. So what happens is two blue belts, one blue belt looks like he's starting to knee bar, uh, knee bar uh, his opponent. So then the opponent taps. The ref is kind of looking and being like, whoa, whoa, buddy, blue belts are not allowed to do knee bars calls for it for like what looks like a DQ and is starting to do it calls for the end of the match 
So you would think to yourself, blue belt, knee bar, case closed, right? Yeah. Not the case here. So what happens is Andre Galvo gives a stern talking to the ref. What? Yes. Um, so he's talking to him. And at the end of the conversation, uh, the ref has come out and then awards the match to Andre Galvo's student. Yeah, oh. that seems legitimate. Uh, but there was no tap, correct? That's I believe the, the kid did tap. No, so I think there was a tap. I, I think believe there was the kid tapped so, okay. because he was in a knee bar, and I'm not sure if he knew exactly what was happening. But go on, Kevin. I can respond afterwards. So what did they decide is uh, – because this is the confusion I had as I saw them like ending the match, which is why I was like, okay. So um, I, knee bars are definitely illegal. That was the one thing I took away from Blue Belt. It was like good to know. I'm not sure yeah. I positively knew that prior to this moment. Second, sure. what what did he lose to? 50-50 position pressure? Yes. So the idea was he was putting him <clears throat> he was doing uh, a transition into 50-50 and that was the explanation. So he tapped a 50-50 pressure. Everybody what knows What do you think, Raf? Did you think that he panicked and just got nervous about a transition he wasn't sure of and, and reverted to the tap early, tap often philosophy of the BJJ training room? Because that what I understand is, is the knee bar was not in, and the, the, the guy did tap uh, unnecessarily if he would have allowed it to keep flowing. That's what I understood from my secondhand information. Uh, great reporting, as always. That Chicago reporting for Chicago journalist is going to be such the hit on NBC. Quote sources told me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Anonymous sources said, I will tell you guys this. My first instinct whenever shit like this happens is to go directly to the sources and interview them. Nando Galvo, I like him a lot. I know if you put yourself in any coach's situation, you want to look out for your students. And there are many coaches who off the record have said, yeah, I've yelled at some stupid shit in my time and I didn't believe a word of it, but that's my kid. And that's a perspective. And you know what? If I'm a competitor, maybe that's really what I want. So it's hard to say. So that's the one side. The other side was I saw the kid who it happened to. And I had asked somebody... Uh, our good friend Andrew, who I had run into, he's a fan of the podcast. It was very nice to meet him. He said he knew the guy. And I said, get me that guy. I want to interview him. I happened to be buying acai, ran into the kid it happened to. And First, how was the acai? <laughs> amazing. Because we were able to take it out. So acai out of acai gel is more delicious. So this guy, though, he's just a kid. And... If I were him, I put myself in his shoes and I thought, man, maybe I'd just be tapping because I'm like, I'm a blue belt. What the fuck is this bar? So I thought about that. But then I, I heard him like a photographer was just kind of accosting him and I, like asking him, like, what happened? And then what happened here? And you could tell he wanted no part of it. He was just like, yeah, dude, it happened to me. So I look at the kid and I go, hey, you're the kid who had the, the Neymar thing happen. He goes, yeah. And I was like, hey, man, keep your head up. By next year, people are going to forget this. You know, it, it sucks that it happened to you, but like, just do your thing and you'll be fine. And the kid's like, thanks, man. And I was like, now get the fuck away from me. You're in my way. I'm trying to leave for the assay. Yeah. Um, you, I don't know. <clears throat> What's that? Did I what? Did, did, did you guys see by chance uh, the post Tom DeBlast put up after that situation? 
No, what did he say? Okay, I'm on it right now. I just tracked this down. I found this very interesting. So DeBlas posted a video of his match versus Comprito from a few years ago. Okay. And here, I'll just read DeBlas's post quickly. He said, same ref that gave the match to the other kid yesterday in the Worlds after he DQ'd him. Here he was refing my match against Comprito a few years ago. He says go. I pass the guard. Comprito complains, parentheses, which should be an automatic DQ talking to the ref. And the ref restarts us in a totally different position than we were in. You can hear Gary Lee Tonin, if you watch the video, you can hear it, yelling, what do you mean stop? The following day, the ref and Comprito were laughing and joking together. Great to see friends have one another's back. couple laughing emojis right there. So DeBlas claims that this ref is a little bit of a shady character in his own right. Well, I'm not going to say I didn't see Galvo talk to the ref a little bit later. Um, it was more innocent. He was still on the floor refing, and I think one of Galvo's guys. And I think the Exchanging unfortunate part keys, was uh, <laughs> a small satchel of some kind. I couldn't make out what it was. It said it not money. I don't know what that means, but but Kevin, please don't insinuate anything. We would never. do I'm that not here. trying to insinuate. I'm okay. just reporting on what I thought I might have heard. Here's the bummer. This is happening to blue belts, and you feel for the kid because it's one thing when it happens to grownups. Like I'm over it. Edwin Najmi. <laughs> Uh, he had a bad call, and it's one of the few times I've ever seen him say, like, the rest this year, oh, my God. And I'm like, is Edwin Notchby saying that? Oh, my God. Like, Edwin's normally the guy who's, like, on the front lines being like, dude, no, IBJJF, honor, tradition. And so you start realizing you're like, even some of the the regulars here are starting to get a little, ooh. So here is where I fall on that, that line. Uh, I think it was a... Uh, a weird situation. It's one of the ones where you get put into that awkward situation of, well, I made a call. And as a result of it, this poor blue belt who now has all this attention thrust upon him feels like the world is kind of on his shoulders. And you're just like, dude, first of all, don't feel that way. Second of all, nobody blames you. Like I would never blame a kid for tapping out if they thought they were in danger and were like, well, clearly the ref's not going to stop this because sure. buddy, buddy over here is like, mm, totally. So yeah, that, that's a little terrifying. So uh, I don't know, man. Oh, well. it, it just sucks because if you think about it now, he's like the epicenter of discussion, much like he is on this podcast. But I will reiterate what I said to him, to him again right now. If he is listening, uh, keep your head down. You'll be fine. So Leave the complaining to us because 100%. that is uh, what we are here to do. So we facilitate stuff. If you guys have ideas, thoughts, concepts, concerns, all that sort of stuff on this situation, hit us up. We'd love to hear your opinions because there was nothing funnier the next day than seeing on BJJ Eastern Europe them saying, you know, we could make the point that he was going into 50-50. And I was like, don't you clickbait me. <laughs> no, I'm not playing that game. I saw what I saw. And I know what's going on, and I don't know even if what I saw, what I saw, that that was the best solution to it. And overall, though, normal, normal hodgepodge about the refs and decisions, and uh, what felt like a pretty traditional year. Mark, what's your take on the overall? Um, you got to see some highlights of matches. What spoke to yeah. you? And uh, I don't know. How do you view IBJJF Worlds? Because I just sort of view it as, you know, we all know it's going to be points and 50-50. But... Yeah, about like that. Um, I actually thought this was a great Worlds, though. I was talking with a few guys in the academy, and uh, I thought there were a lot of really exciting matches, some big upsets. And I thought the jiu-jitsu was very high level. IBJJF, 
is uh, while I respect their point structure and understand what they're trying to do, there is something about it that seems to be a little limiting in terms of the jujitsu. Uh, for example, even what we're talking about the blue belts and the the DQing for knee bars. I don't know what you guys do at your academy, but if we're if if we're training in the academy we're with people we know, I mean we're we're knee barring each other in the gi, and uh, we're blue belts, and uh, it's just kind of part of the game. So I think I find IBJJF a little limit, limiting, and and even in their no gi, uh, I I don't think I'm mistaken about this. You still can't heel hook in no gi and IBJJF. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, because so the I, knees I, I, need to be protected like delicate, delicate, delicate. Right. Especially so at the expert level. It's uh, the prestige is there, and they, they they put on great tournaments. The mats look great. The refs look great in their suits. They get good crowds. Uh, they're playing their black belts now, so. That's a little more respectable than he used to be. And and it will always be kind of like the, the foundational jujitsu organizing structure. So um, I like that part about it. But every time I watch it, I always think there's there's more to jujitsu than this. But I, I love how much uh, passion the competitors bring to the big IBJJF tournaments, which for me, that's what makes it fun is how hard all these guys go at each other uh, within the roles that they have. Very nice. All right. Now that we're going to bitch fat, we'll come around and do some nice things. But, Kev, I need to go on my rant. You ready for it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go, guys. This is something I put up as a post. I want to go ahead and make sure I reiterate this over here. Um, I want to be very clear about how I feel about this because um, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of affects me. But it more so perturbs me from uh, a fan perspective. So I walk in Saturday, and I hear that they're looking very deeply for people who are bringing in outside food, which sucks. They're being a little bit more strict about that. But then they ask everybody, like, "Hey, we're going to deeply inspect your game or your your packs and your bags." So I walk in and I have a camera, and I go over to them and I say, "Hi, I have a camera." And they go, "Are you media?" Now my good friend Eric Medina is about to compete, and I really don't have time for this, so I tell the guy, "Yes." Now, why do I tell him yes when I'm not media on this particular juncture? Well, normally I would get a media pass, except the IBJJF has this weird archaic belief about doing videos. Now, I don't want to video the matches because I know that belongs to flow grappling. And I know that competitors aren't necessarily allowed to video their matches for whatever reason. And I think that's stupid. But I honor that. And that's part of the reason I never get a press pass to begin with. So... When I go up to them, I've said, you know, hey, I've heard you guys, you crack down on your, your cameras, and I understand that. But it's to my understanding, you're just not supposed to have professional lenses. And I'm not a professional. So there's that. And then they say that. They go, oh, but no cameras this year at all. And I wow. said, that's a problem. I said, why would you not have anybody allowed to bring a camera? Do you know that most cell phones are going to be more powerful than any camera I bring in? And if I was so being a dick about it, I would be the person who would then be sitting there filming if I was told no cameras with my phone. Like, do you understand that that's something that happens? And they were kind of like, eh, you know, we're just told what we're told. So I realized these poor kids... They didn't have any problems to them. They weren't really doing anything wrong, but they were facilitating some sort of rule that has been pressed down upon them. Now, here's the thing. I don't think that's a smart rule, but I'm also on the side of I don't think people should be filming their matches when they're not supposed to. And guess what? People were live streaming their matches. 
And that is a huge problem. And I understand that that makes the people look bad. But to make it seem like when I put up this post, and I really do mean this, I do mean from a very sincere place that I think it is a terrible rule for spectators. Because if you have parents, friends, colleagues, coaches who are coming to just take photos, I think that does a lot of harm in terms of the sport and getting people to actually want to see this sport. Yeah, that auditorium is packed. But you know what happened when I told people I was watching a jiu-jitsu world championship over the weekend? They said, what's that? Yeah. Because most of the world still can give a fuck about it. So when the kids looked at me, I felt bad about doing this, but I did what I had to do. Uh, they looked at me and I go, okay then. And I pack my bag up and I close. And then the guy looks at me at the front and he goes, oh, so did they say we're good? And I'm like, yep. And I walked right in. And I think I later heard from our good friend Andrew that they said, hey, it looked like you were causing trouble there, Raph. And I was like, I was not causing trouble. If anything, I looked at the poor guys and I was like, normally I would get a media pass, but I didn't. And it's because apparently next year they're going to start consolidating the amount of space on the mat for photographers because it's too overpacked on the ground. Thus, me taking photos from above and saying, like, well, I don't want to overcrowd, so I'll just go from above. Oh, I can't do that now? Cool. So that is my, my complex problem here, which is, yes, I think it is a problem. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about competitors not being allowed to record their matches. But I think when you create such a hardline zero tolerance policy, you do have those people who feel all the more inspired to do those live streams because that was honestly a comment people said like oh yeah i totally i'm gonna live stream this now because of it and i thought that's not the answer either so i think that it terms of a pr strategy and kevin and i might be people who know a little bit about that um i think you incite more anger toward flow grappling and ibjjf with that stance so there is that i did not take any photos from up in the stands that point because I was like, well then fuck that. Uh, you know, I took a couple of Eric, my buddy. And then I was like, I'm just not in the mood. So there's that Kevin, what is your thoughts on all of that? Well, the NBA made a huge change. I don't know, six years ago, maybe even longer. It feels like their footage has always been super media friendly. The NBA lets you use whatever you want and Twitter, YouTube, give them more, international marketing than any commercial or licensing fee as opposed to like the nfl and one of the things the nba is now is much cooler and growing and on its way up and it's like jujitsu we don't have enough time to be stingy and we certainly don't have enough money uh because well obviously print journalism is super lucrative everywhere else right mark i mean in the law world everywhere like it's it's just uh, it pays a lot but in jujitsu obviously you take a dip you can imagine. Yeah, print no print journal, journalism in general is a great way to get rich fast. Yeah, the it's uh, they might as well call it NPR. It's like Google for lawyers, and it's just everybody <laughs> in there walking around with their their BMWs. Oh yeah, so, once once you're in, you're in, and you're kind of a you're a kingpin in a lot of different fields. Once you start in print journalism, absolutely. And don't think I haven't <laughs> forgotten about a true crime he owes us, Raph. But the thing with IBJJF, <laughs> let's get into some final thoughts. One of these is you got to open this up. We got to make this cooler and bigger. Uh, I understand charging to watch it live. I get it. I understand controlling some of the content. I don't understand the crackdown and the like Gestapo press speaking and just the weird 
anger towards people trying to make this better and they keep acting like we make money and that's the part that's crazy to me it's like oh you can't take pictures you'll steal from our profit it's like oh fucking screw what are you talking about yes it feels weak doesn't it it does mark what are your thoughts you're a nice mix into the professional realm pr wise this is dumb just because it limits your product completely uh, what are yours what are your thoughts I, I think it i think it feels like a cheap little banana republic dictator kind of move where it's like we don't have a lot going but we're going to be extra aggressive about what we do have going and they think it projects strength but actually it makes them seem really weak so i i agree completely controlling content like that out of something like the uh the world championship the ibjjf championships is in the long run is not doing them any favors i think right now the more you can get out the better it's going to be. So I'm I'm completely with you guys on that. I'll tell you this. I had a lot of people telling me, like, hey, Raph, why don't you just sneak it in? Like, why don't you just uh, do what you need to do and uh, play Because Dom? we believe in consent on this podcast. <laughs> what is well, listen, guys. I don't believe in hiding what it is I do. I <laughs> want to make it very clear. It's not a crime to take a photo. And more importantly, yeah, I work in the media in a lot of respects on this. And I was paying money to come to this event right? where normally if I'm reporting on it, I get in for free. So even as a spectator and saying like, well, I want to pay because I want to support the athletes and I want to support the organization. I think it is a piss poor policy. I do not know that you can necessarily reinforce how to like enact any kind of things for it. But I've seen people walk up and say like, hey, don't record this on your phone. And there is a difference between taking photos and taking video. I do know that. I, and I've seen that happen. I just fear that amongst all of the other PR problems that the IBJJF has in terms of their refing and all of those other situations, because a lot of people want to blame flow grappling. Could be. I don't know whose directive it is. I've heard rumors, but at the same point, I don't really go off of rumors. I say, here's the problem. And these people who worked at the front desk we're definitely told to not allow cameras. So that's coming from somebody. And my question is, who is that coming from? And more importantly, why? Because the explanation of it is garbage. And the second point on this, to make it very clear, is I don't think any of us want to come in hating the IBJJF. I kid a lot about sub only and a lot about, you know, points and, you know, oh, IBJJF. But there's a reason we still go to support it. We like it. We like grapplers getting their due. There is a prestige. There is something really cool about going there and seeing a big crowd there. But I feel huge great geese. Love those. But it really does bug me when those things hinders uh, people's experiences. And when you hinder the experience, that starts to turn people away. And so to everybody who sent really nice notes and, you know, thank me for saying whatever – I'm not doing anything special. I am literally just telling you what I experienced and how I felt about it. And I would hope that they would be smart enough to remedy it. Uh, that's about it. That was the, essentially the only reason I talked about it was because I thought it was a stupid policy. And amongst a, a week where you've got people saying, oh, this ref sucks. And oh, look at these people and this and this and this. This isn't something they really need to lose sleep over and, and have be a problem. So... Hopefully we can make some amends to it. And if it is a, a problem where they just don't want to have comparative media from people in the stands, how scared are you of a telephoto lens from above getting a better photo 
than somebody on the ground. Or more importantly, somebody interviewing on the ground that might be better than yours. So just have a little bit more confidence in your abilities. And uh, I think the insecurities will show a lot less. I also have one other suggestion. I'm going to bounce this guy's off you. I loved, I agree. This was a great world. I was the watching blue belts is just like, uh, Oh my God, the way they transition and <laughs> they moved. It's like, okay. Jiu-jitsu is evolving. <laughs> 30 seconds in 50, 50 tops. One minute hard reset. <laughs> it's just, uh, the one thing I would add, I got, pretty tired of the 50 50s but it's we've got a huge surplus of talent right now uh purple belt brown belt black belt uh the men's divisions were on fire the women's divisions were competitive as hell and brutal and i guess women don't have ankles jiu-jitsu women don't have ankles (laughs) is that real (laughs) <laughs> yeah a lot of them a lot of them don't i've noticed that with the girls i train with in our academy a lot of them are like unfoot lockable i guess they i mean awesome i genetically i i guess part of my uh inferior i didn't know that i didn't know they were uh <laughs> they didn't have ankles i yeah, watched two of them cranking on each other and it was like ah <laughs> this is awful <laughs> and uh, i do love We'll get to uh, a little bit of the Hums and what he was thinking or not thinking. Overall, great. A lot of 50-50. Uh, the black belts were sensational. I want to give my fighter shout-out. I want each of you to think of who your fighter shout-out is. Uh, I'm going first so I can claim it. Nick- Nicholas Marigale. Just, that guy is. Watching him tap people on his way, including um, Lucas Leach. It just, hey, that's that's gonna be my shout out. Hey, still always. We'll pick another one. There was like a thousand athletes who competed. Marigali just no, no, not Marigali. Stopped. Oh, hold on. I'm ping pong it right over to you, sir. Are you gonna you're gonna give some Leach cr- credit? Yeah, Lucas Leach. That's that's my dog right there. I play that. Uh, I played a lot of what I call the deep underhook half guard. And uh, that was partially inspired by my professor, Adam Redzvik, who plays it beautifully. But then I found Lucas Leche, and I actually got his instructional. He calls it the coyote half guard, which uh, gives a nice ring to your game in the academy. When people start talking about that cat who plays the coyote half guard, I, I like the way that sounds. So I've gotten a lot of stuff from Lucas Leche, And, um, you know, he's an amazing guy at his size. The the size of the competition he goes up against, he's generally outweighed by in the 20-pound range. And uh, guys are usually much taller than him. And he gives he, – I mean, he's proved himself over and over again against the best in the world. And uh, your guy, your shout-out, Nicholas Marigali, I mean, what an absolute beast he was over the weekend. I've never seen Lucas Leche handle like that in my life. And uh, Marigali just, just went beast mode on him. And uh, so that kind of – uh, that, that meshes in nicely with your shout out. My guy is Lucas Leche, and uh, you know he did a nice job getting to the quarters, but he just he just ran into an absolute animal. All right. Well, I I want to say two things I learned from that, Kev. Hmm. One, apparently, uh, apparently, and this is just something I read into what you were saying here, Mark. Uh, Mark's instructor is garbage. <laughs> Adam Rezovic. 
Well, yeah, well, that was what the way you were alluding to well, it. A was bit just of a like, stretch, ref, but I'm willing to listen. Just, no, 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 no. I <laughs> didn't say it. Not my words. words. I'd like to weigh words. in right now and say Adam Rudzovic is one of my absolute heroes in life and on the mat. So. And I think that's so great. I just thought it was really great that you were able to say that you didn't develop this half guard until uh, you saw Lucas Lage. Because you were like, I was learning with Adam, and it was like, womp, womp. And then I saw Lucas Lage, and I was like, oh, thank God, here's this guy. Okay, who's let, me, let me restate that quickly, because Adam Adam Redzevic is, uh, that is, if Lucas Lage is my dog, uh, Adam Redzevic's my top dog. So he's number one. And no, what I'm saying is I got the I got the basics from training with Adam and, you know, I didn't we didn't do any privates on this. So uh, I just I just got what I learned training with him and began it there. And then I found Lucas Leche and added to what Adam had showed me already. So it, it was a real combination. Hold on. I'm, I'm getting your quotation. We're here. Like you you hate Adam and he's uh, a terrible garbage. Structure. Yeah. So bad. We, we, nothing in this uh, life. <laughs> and then second, can you? Try to do us a solid and say the word cat like 30% less in your life. Because, <laughs> like, when you're like, oh, this cat over here, and it's like, Jesus, kid, where are these references coming from? Oh, okay. Shit. He's old timey. I would so, like to say this because I don't so think this gets enough credit. On the ponies. Every year, I get so excited and hopeful that an American will win. And this year, they did. Mikey Musumeshi winning is remarkable and it is so so nice to see him getting props from Rafael Lovato Jr. and the other handful of American people who have won uh, a world title in this regard it uh it feels like it should be not something as significant but man did it feel good to see that it's so nice so so much credit to him uh it's one of those things that you just you get really excited about because you know, I don't feel we've, we've blown this up enough, but uh, you can say it a thousand times, but I want to start a USA chant right now. This is it just makes me so happy. So uh, congratulations to him. Uh, he had a great tournament run. So he would be my my uh, shout out. Leave us five stars with a USA rant. And we'll be USA. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, sorry. It's supposed to be USA. USA. Wow. There was some great. I agree. Some matches, too, that just. You watch the type of game Marigales, you still see Cobrinha's pressure passing. You just still see Galvan being so aggressively slow and methodical and technical. Mm. You can see his whole army of psychopathic passers <laughs> are just unleashed on the tournament. Psychopathic, yeah. it, it uh, was, uh, it's a good time for jiu-jitsu in terms of the... I obviously they have some things they need to improve upon. Obviously, they're not going to do it. That's kind of the IBJJF's thing. Is not oh, I'm doing things. To so. Repeat my my media stance verbatim this time next year. Like <laughs> I, I start the clock. I've you know I will start. We'll just replay this part of the podcast next year, and that's perfectly fine. Kev, before we move on to UFC 212. I have to read. We got uh, four more people who uh, gave their three words in the time we've been doing this. The Dukes, 87, wrote spandex, acai, transitions. Ooh. Deadpool Boy, MMA. That's, I want that to be the theme of my birthday next year. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely going to be on your tombstone, Kev. Uh, Deadpool MMA wrote, worth every second. So a big uh, IBJJF fan there. Uh, Nemo Nobody wrote Fat Earth Advantages, so Flat Earth Advantages. <laughs> and I like Norman Fat Pickford. Earth, because if you're just huge, 
Uh. <laughs> My articulation's going a little down after five hours of commentary. Uh, Dorman Michael wrote, did he pass? That's, that's actually, I found myself saying that phrase every, almost every other match. It's like, did he, d- no? Oh, and you okay. know what? Before we close the door on this, props to Buchecha. Uh, being able to do that for fucking five times. I don't have much to say other than super good at jujitsu, and thanks for making it fun to watch. And uh, we get it. You're tied with Hodger. You're probably going to beat him now. And they have their super match coming up, uh, I think, next month. Uh, Yeah, I hope that's that's great. I hope hope Hodger's ready to go on that one. That'll be amazing. If we get another Metamora-style match out of those two, it'll be unbelievable. Wouldn't it be great if Hodger was like, if I win, you never go back. IBJJF. That would be an awesome loser leaves town match. Loser leaves town match. Love it. All right, let's talk UFC 212. I know you guys are excited to talk about this, Kevin. Uh-huh. I was busy doing reporting coverage at Worlds. Yeah. I was getting secondhand reports from you. Tell me your thoughts on it. You did miss a good one, and you missed finishes, which I cannot say I've seen a fight that had so. <laughs> at one point, we got to the fourth fight, and it was like, whoa, whoa. It's just the main event left, and it was refreshing. Uh, the fighters were fired up, and that happens, especially in Brazil. But when Shoeface and Spicely fought, they spent most of the first round in 50-50, and it was like, where the fuck are we? Are they just really – have they been watching IBJJF all day, and they're in? This is that was weird. an homage. Yeah, except they were punching each other in the face super delicately and aggressively, which was awesome. Uh, an homage. <laughs> that would be great if they called it out. Uh, Shoeface <laughs> had some some strikes, but mostly just imposed some grappling. Will did a nice choke out. Good. He's uh, still looking strong. Weighed in at one eighty five. So someone tell Gary Tonin he lost to someone that weighs one hundred eighty five pounds, not two hundred twenty, because that's that bullshit story he's been hiding behind. And uh, I just want to call him out on it. Got him. Raphael's continue to dominate Asun Sal, which I Ooh, believe. S-A. USA, USA. Is that, is that Mark? Is that called. appropriate here? Is he is he a Rafael that's like a USA Rafael like me or? Uh, I mean, I think he's Brazilian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, definitely still Brazilian. Still gonna be USA. Uh, uh, but you know, Rafael Ascal is Ascal. He's just you know he does what he does, Kev. And Mark, did you see the fights? Were you able to watch some of the main card? I don't know how much you saw or didn't. No, highlights okay. on the main card. I, I went back and watched uh, my teammate, Marco Beltran. We can talk about that one if you want. But uh, no, the other one's just highlights. But if my math is right here, I'm looking at your, your commentary on the finishes. It looks to me like nine of the 12 fights were finished off, which, uh, once again, check my math. That sounds like 75% of finishes on these fights, which is amazing. Ooh, look how fast that was, Kev. I was actually that was good. I reduced so those fast. fractions, and then I saw one I recognized. I mean, that was... Somebody passed their timetables test. Somebody got a high school diploma. I reduced <laughs> those fractions is definitely not going to be the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and the, the fighters in the main card, and that's where we're rolling to, and it started with, um, it started with the prelims, and it kept going, but... Silva and Medeiros came out trying to murder one another with some aggressive kicks. Uh, got some good strikes in, but Medeiros just caught him hard. Proving tattoos and abs, a great predictor ref. Mm-hmm. Um, Hardly ever. 
Paulo Boracina versus Olawale Bamboo. Boracina. Uh, again, a battle of these two were most likely to just run in and knock each other out simultaneously on the night. Just came out swinging violently. And Boracina pretty quickly uh, gassed Bamboos and just beat the shit out of him. Knocked him clean out. It was uh, aggressive. And he did it with confidence and sort of walked away. Like from an explosion. It was awesome. Hmm. There was a quick dip. I want to give Mark props for selecting Vitor Belfort and sticking with the army. Um, I assume this was the same referee that Galvan talked out of the decision a few days earlier based on it. No, this was a close fight, old fight. Went to a decision. They certainly were, you know, Mark Hart got the striking advantage. He had... A little bit more time in control of the match, but you know sometimes when you leave the decision in Brazil, you are not winning that fight. It's just one hundred percent. He's <laughs> not no winning. <laughs> the moment it happened, everybody was like, "Yeah, he's gonna fucking lose that fight." <laughs> the second after it finished, unanimous decision. You, it, and this is real bullshit. The unanimous part. That's the one thing I do want to focus on. Otherwise, you know, this was kind of a fun, exactly what you'd expect fight, but. It wasn't unanimous. I mean, Markhart almost finished Belfort. It does, never mind. Doesn't unanimous decision. Uh, Claudia Gadella is going to be a real challenge mm. um, for Joanna Jedrzejczyk. That girl's fierce. She's just a little stronger, a little tougher, and a little bit better at this than Carolina. At least down in Brazil, Ta- knocked her down and then choked her out. Really yeah, they look like a savaging. I see that finishes at three oh three of round one, so that's a it, that's a thrashing. It was all of these fights. I mean, you look at it; the longest ones are the third round knockouts, but most of them end in the first. And this one, it was just like these girls are not going to a third round. They've made that choice, uh, and you can tell in the first two minutes they went scrapping to the ground, back to the ground. Claudia, damn, hmm. and the final. Jose Aldo versus Max Holloway. It got fight of the night. You two need to watch this fight. First of all, Jose Aldo almost knocked Max Holloway out in the first round. Almost clean took him down, and it looked like Holloway was trying to ease into the fight and see if he could uh, hold off some of his aggression until the second and third round. Um, As we know, Jose has a little bit of a history of falling off as as the fight goes on. Indeed he does. One noticeable absence, no leg kicks from Jose Aldo. Whoa! Wasn't wasn't getting the leg kicks in at all. And in the third round, after it had been a very even fight up until that point, uh, Jose got some great exchanges. Max Holloway was landing his jab at will. And they had a moment in the third round where Holloway hit him square on the face, stunned him, knocked him down. Jose Aldo got up like a zombie got knocked down again every time holloway would go to finish the fight and land those extra seventh and eighth and ninth shots it takes jose would get out of the way he wouldn't get out of the way for one through six uh he's getting passed he's getting rocked he's bleeding he's turning around and he gives a thumbs up while getting punched in the back of the head and it was like i don't think that means what he think it thinks it means right now and eventually, after about two minutes, and I'd say a solid 47 clean, un, 
unblock strikes, they finally ended the fight. Hold on, Kevin. Let's be very clear. That was an early stoppage. You told me this beforehand. I didn't realize Jose had said that. I thought in the third round, and you guys go back and watch and let me know what you think. He was fighting more so he could be upset about the stoppage than he was to stop the fight. He wasn't defending himself. And it was really just like, holy shit, is it possible Jose Aldo can't be knocked out? It's, it is possible. The guy is tough. Well, I, I would normally agree with you, except I saw Conor McGregor do it in 13 seconds. Oh, fuck, you're right. You know, Mark, you know, the shit other guy. Point. Did, listen, Joe Rogan <laughs> basically uh, put him over and was like, you know, Jose Aldo, you know, you got to respect, he's so good. But Conor McGregor ruined his streak and basically ruined his legend career. And then something like this happens and people are like, oh, Jose Aldo, who's that guy? So that's crazy. Um, however, he doesn't help things when he's like, that's oh, an early stoppage. Oh, my God, I can't believe that. Look how many times I can't they, emphasize. they didn't. Uh, finish me with those 94 other shots. That's an early <laughs> stoppage, guys. Everybody knows that. I really... Are you guys with me on this one? Uh, Dom Cruz is a great ringside analyst. I'm not with you. Big fan. I'm a big fan of this. I'm not Because I, I enjoy the Dom Cruz. I enjoy uh, the Brian Stan. Yeah. I think those are the, the, the standards with Joe. And then the rest. Like, DC doing it makes my ears hurt. <laughs> DC, I barely have come to terms with him yell screaming from a teleprompter whenever he's at the Fox analyst desk. <laughs> and then who was the other one? I thought they let somebody else try it. Um, but no, no. Oh. Dom Dom has a real passion for it. And I think like he enjoys it. And I feel like when he's finished doing what he does in the uh, Octagon, I think he may choose to kind of do a little bit more of this. And I think he'd be good at it. Yeah, he's a natural at it, and he offers, for me, the thing I like most about him, he's he's an articulate guy, and he, he speaks his ideas clearly and quickly, but he's also offers great insight, and especially because he's in the midst of his career, he offers great professional insight, training insight, what people are likely thinking and doing at the gym and how that's showing up in the octagon. That's what I wanted to ask, though, is uh, was he saying anything about Jose not kicking the legs of Max Holloway because Jose Aldo is a legendary leg kicker and uh, tree chopper. So I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that he was not going after the leg. They were pretty critical of his, his attacks in general. I felt like he, uh, and he kind of, I believe he talked about that in terms of after the fight, it just wasn't something he was imposing. And to Max Holloway's credit, he kept a lot of distance. Okay. But really fun fight. And definitely two guys that are like one of we're not we're not leaving this fight of both of us standing. It's just not happening. And when two guys enter with that attitude of nope, uh, it's it's electric. It's a fun fight, fun night of fights. A lot of KOs, a lot of exciting split second finishes where fights were back and forth in that maybe first few minutes and then turned. So, because. Don't we have business to take care of right now? We have business to take care of, right? All right. Let me ask this to you real quick. I'm going to ask this over to Mark. Mark, how are you feeling right now? Not not great. You were so quick (laughs) with your fractions that I was wondering if you were able to figure out what your fractions of correct picks. Yeah, at my times pros, obviously a math guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
no, I can't even. This is like this is like Black Friday or something. This is a this is a massacre. Oh, when you said it was like Black Friday, I didn't think like massacre. I thought like were there internet sales I didn't know about? No, or what? Do you, well, I don't know. You know, pick your you stock so, market crash day when everything so went to pieces. That people could uh, bid on your terrible picks so early. I don't know. I gotta say this, Mark. I think you know your fate. Did you watch uh, AJ compete this weekend? You know your oh, your man. Oh, man. You're about to have to I'm highlight. So stressed out right now. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm so stressed. So Mark's you are so stressed, favorite. and Mark's I don't want to tell you that you have to do it. Um, I'm, I'm no gonna... welter, and I I resent the insinuation. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not trying to let you weasel out of it. I'm but just again, going to let welter. Sixties. Every time he gets into yeah, something, yeah. I want to hear him lecture me about television. I'm what universal, the... my friend. I, I I could show up in any era, and my language would make sense. Hey, it's debatable. <laughs> Keep, I like keeping your uh, options open. Like apparently, that. right now, your your language is other on than the, the one I live in. That's the only one where I don't fit in. Okay, make sure to put that caveat in that next time. The important thing you need to know here, sir, is this: yeah. I was not offering you an out. I was offering the facts to be the one to tell you that you did lose this installment of Over Under Kevin, which I believe puts you in the company of T.P. Grant, who was rooting against you. And I need to get your perspective on that because he said, misery loves company. So that means yeah. that all of you Chicago guys, you and T.P., could not band together to beat Kevin once. That's sad. Yeah, and that was a betrayal of a high order as far as I'm concerned when T.P. revealed that position he was taking i mean it really was wasn't it i mean that's a teammate and you find out he's rooting for you to lose that brought some bad karmic energy to this whole thing well i mean he uh, just who? basically he uh, basically know, for me, just put his bad juju on you is what it was he when was like i write my biography which any day now this is going to be chapter one called i own chicago so don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as uh, the star of a maybe 50 purchases on download uh, because it's only 99 cents from Amazon. Yeah, part of history, realize. really. This is like this is like when Wellington marched into Spain and took out Napoleon. Uh, yep. <laughs> he could be making up those names. Every God, once I in a mean. while. It's, it's comments like this that make me wonder, hmm... Who did we bring on the show? And then I remember, oh, wait, the guy who really was trying to write an appreciation for Roger Moore <laughs> being an underrated Bond. I didn't give you enough shit about this last week, sir. But I brought you on, and you didn't. Bring it on. Well, can I, I give him a chance to redeem himself at least a little bit in the eyes of the the listeners who are shocked that you've uh, lost to me? I can hear you people, by the way. I hear it. <laughs> Uh, did you bring some true crime for us? <laughs> well, you gentlemen know I've always got a story or two right at the tips of my fingers. So, I mean, if you're looking for something, you know, I probably got a little something I can conjure up. I'm looking for something. All right. Should I go? Please. I've already written a few letters to Raph urging him to uh, schedule you every pretty much night with 20 minutes just with me about true crime. I go. Sure, I got a good I got a good bank robbery story out here. Yes, is it start so, Kevin uh, Spacey? Time hold on, he said bank robbery as if that's something that still is a like a major thing. Kevin, 
Bank, this I don't is know. Completely... There, there like, are a lot of bank robberies out here. I get I it, know. kid, but it's not like there's a whole <laughs> system of people who are getting out in the bandwagon and then trying to get out and crack the safe with some dynamite. I've seen the movie Heat. I feel like that was one of the last times people were doing that. And even in the movie Heat, Robert De Niro's like, you guys, uh, the bank will go ahead and insure you. It's all you. And it's like, oh, all right, all right. And then that was made into the Dark Knight. Those were the two major instances. But please go on. Hey, you ever heard of John, a guy named John Dillinger? Mm-hmm. I've uh, heard he of John Danaher. Just a, just a couple weeks ago, he was here robbing banks until they got him. So, you know, it still happens. Oh, Jesus. Get on with your fucking story. Is that what this is about? Okay. <laughs> no, this happened just after they got Dillinger. So this one is, uh, this is, this is a really interesting one. Um, I got a, I got a front page story in the paper with this one. I actually interviewed the police officer. I would have said copper, but I took endless shit for that last time. <laughs> police officer. We took care of this one. So, uh, we got a, we got a stretch of city up here. We call it the grand trunk road, like the road through India, because it's all Indian, Pakistani and, um, Basically, that part of the world is where all their shops, all their restaurants are. And so this police officer is on his beat, and he sees a uh, white guy walking out of a Chase Bank, not really walking, kind of hustling down the sidewalk. And something about it strikes him as odd. So he flips a Yui in his car and drives back, and uh, he sees a taxi cab pull out from the street. He'd just seen this guy uh, turn down. He'd been hustling out of the bank. He had a bag in his hand. It wasn't all that weird, but it wasn't exactly normal. His instinct went off. So he sees this cab pull out, and it's headed back the opposite direction. So he swings another Yui, starts following this cab. Now he turns on the radio, and he's waiting to hear, has there been a call from this bank? Did something happen? And there hasn't. So he's following it down the street called uh, uh, Devon Avenue, headed towards Western Avenue, which is another big street here. And it takes about five minutes to get there. They turn south on Western. He turns south on Western. Still nothing on the radio, but he's looking at this guy in the back seat of the cab who he'd made eye contact with for just a brief instant as he passed by and this guy went out of the bank, which is part of what tripped him off. So he's looking at this guy who keeps turning around in this cab and looking back at him in his police car. And he's back, you know, 30, 40 feet, just following slowly. He's not flipping the lights or anything and still waiting to hear something on the radio. So like I said, it's been about five minutes, still nothing. Finally, it comes over the radio. We got an armed robbery, Chase Bank, Devon Avenue. Uh, suspect it should be considered armed and dangerous. And and he pops on his radio and he calls in. He says, I'm behind this guy. I'm, I've been here since the beginning. So uh, I'm going to pull this cab and see what happens. So he flips the lights and uh, this cab turns into a big CTA, Chicago Transit Authority, bus turnaround. Just happened to be there. It's this huge, like, horseshoe-shaped turnaround for the big stretch buses. They just They just sort of switch the routes there. So he pulls in behind this guy and uh, stops the car. He's got the lights on. He's going to approach slowly because who knows? This guy might be, this guy might come out of the car like, you know, babyface Nelson, guns blazing. And uh, he's going to get popped in that, in that firestorm. So he gets out of the car. He starts approaching slowly and he sees a flash and hears a pop. Cab driver hops out of the cab screaming, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. This guy just shot himself. Cop walks up to the car. The guy in the back seat put the gun under his chin, fired one through his head, killed himself in the back and um, in the back of the cab. And uh, I didn't get all the details on the follow-up, but this guy had no criminal record. He basically had nothing in his past. He got himself into a little debt. He was like in his mid-50s. And uh, he decided on a whim to rob a bank just in a complete desperation move. And by complete chance, 
a police officer on his patrol happened to drive by as he came scurrying, mm. not even running, just scurrying out of this bank. And next thing you know, five, six minutes later, he uh, shot himself in the back of the cab. Jesus. Yeah. First of all, there's some minority report to this cop that I really like. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he just got a cue ball with the guy's name. And it's like, all right, he's going to do it. Okay. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right, Raph. Um, no, we're not going to change it to a true crime podcast. Not tonight. I mean, well, we'll I have actually some questions for him right now. <laughs> Number one, why would you look over me, Sean Connery, as being the best James Bond of all time? Uh, well, first of all, Mr. Connery, I did not do that. You are actually, I believe you did by representing the fucking. I mean, rest in peace. But God damn it, Roger Moore was a fucking bum. Here's Again, with all Roger due respect, Moore. I want to say respect for the dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> amazed you didn't die first, Mr. Connery. Uh, I sure was I. Someone came up that morning and said, oh, you're still alive. And I was like, of course I am. I do believe you're invincible. And uh, not only are you a great Bond, you're a great dragon slayer. In uh, that movie with uh, Dennis Quaid. Are so, you talking about the movie First Night? Uh, no, not First Night. Uh, but I'd like to salute you for your dragon slaying ways as well. You're talking about Dragonheart, where I was the name shake of that dragon who spoke using my voice. Indeed, that is what I meant. You weren't a great dragon slayer. You were a great dragon. Thank you. Very nice. You made so many mistakes, like you said, that Roger Moore was actually, what was it? The second James Bond? I did say the second right. Bond, and that's, that's one of the worst errors I've ever made in my life. <laughs> And I'm oh, apparently not. I've been listening to this podcast the entire time, and you lost to somebody who loses all the time. Listen, <laughs> losers complain. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. That's a little line from The Rock, in which I start with Nicolas Cage. Always a pleasure to have you swing by the podcast, Sean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, listen here, Connery. Why don't you beat it? I've had about enough of you. Oh, oh, look at this one. Lively over here. Don't worry. You use references that are older than my fucking stool. <laughs> and uh, this is typically we try and <clears throat> gauge a fight with celebrities. I want to go ahead and take that one back. You make references older than my toupees. Boom. Better reference. Yes. Connor is definitely a boom user. Well, thank you, Sean, for your uh, once again unwarranted but invited interruption i've lost the cure for cancer <laughs> and mark in the meantime you're yes. over on twitter at my times pros that's uh, right people can go to chicago and train with you if they'd like yeah come to team redzevic we got a great academy come to the city uh very welcoming place yeah if you train jujitsu and you're in chicago team redzevic is a spot to go three locations in the city and uh, you'll have a great time three locations in the city yes sir all right uh this has got to be quite a lot of people and chicago always makes me nervous because it's just uh it's a tough breed so that group of people generally all collectively in a mat it's like (laughs) oh fuck there's got to be some serious people on that at my times pros mark we appreciate you swinging by talking some super nerdy world stuff with us uh, talking some ufc but most of all sponsoring aj agazarm it's always nice to meet Mm, uh, so nice absolutely so good and uh, someone willing to step up. Well, that is my honor and my privilege. 
to make sure AJ Hagazarum gets a <laughs> keeps his spot in the rotation and uh, you know maybe even improves it a little bit. So that's that's my honor. There we go. Uh, Verbal Tap fans, Mark Ship. Thanks, guys. Raph, you've been all over the place trying to do some tournament stuff. What have you gotten out of U.S. GG? Tell us. I mean, I always screw up the letters. Uh, I actually did that today on my own. <laughs> Never mind. It's too embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> screwed up the own letters in my name. I was like, K-I-V-E-N. They were like, yeah. what? I was like, oh, oh, that didn't sound right. Oh my K-E-V-I-S. <laughs> Just had a quick... Oh god! I gotta go to sleep. Where did that happen, Kevin? Uh, I was picking up an order at the deli right by work. Wow! I've had a lot of things happen in my time, but screwing up my my own name. Just a quick spelling of my name. <laughs> I just uh, you know who could get the vowels right? How <laughs> was traveling? Back to back weeks. You guys did a recap. Everyone should check it out. You already follow. The LA Jiu-Jitsu Club, you can see them chatting it out. If you follow us on social media, you got to see the whole Facebook live Q&A. And it's uh, really fun. You guys looked a little exhausted. What? What are you talking about? You're leaving it out there on the mats. I love it. As a, as coordinators. Oh, my God. Got the live um, stream up this time. Yeah, you know, that was really fun. Uh, the first time we were going to do a live stream, but the wireless situation was a little dire. So, and plus I had to do a lot more than I expected to do. Uh, again, it was our first tournament. It was a little learning experience, but there were definitely some matches I wanted to bring to you live. Um, but this time we had it all shit put together and I was ready for you guys. So I brought you a live stream and I got to tell you, man, um, I guess in my own personal one good thing, it was so much fun to do commentary again. You know, uh, one of the things that I, I got told from some of the guys, because I apologized to every person who I commentated on their match. I went up to them and I said, I'm very sorry. And they're like, why? And I was like, well, I made fun of you. So when you get home, you're going to recognize the fact that I made fun of you for like four hours. And I didn't know your name. And even the people whose names I did know, I still screwed up uh, in true me fashion. But they were so appreciative. And the one thing that I got back for them was they said, well, nobody ever talks about my matches to begin with. And I got momentarily sad. And then I got really happy because it made me realize that that's something that you can do that's simple, that makes the competitor feel better or that it's a, a cool experience. And that's something that I really want to do as much as possible. And I had a very simple setup. It was just one uh, webcam. And I wish it could be closer point somebody said hey it'd be really nice if you guys got a drone for a better camera angle just saying and i was like that's a good idea oh my god i wonder why we didn't think of that are you buying thank you so much sir great ideas Perhaps just you, know, you want to get your super quiet drone because if you get like a just a two thousand dollar one that thing's gonna be loud as a what? motherfucker <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> be going it's like there's a reason they don't use drones inside. They usually use that crane arm, and uh, it's so it doesn't, you know, make it sound like it, the beginning 
smash yeah, cut I just smash. want to ask what kind of fancy ass individual goes, oh, send in the drone as you bring in my caviar. <laughs> I, do. I do. Yeah. Raph pulls out that stupid case. We've all seen the commercial, puts his wristwatch on, hits the button. He's like, we're live. And it's just like, this isn't the Jetsons. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Just like, oh, must be a nice problem here, people. Wish yeah. I could be just a drone would be great. God, Super I, so anyways, I don't know what kind of sweeping epic uh, thing that they thought I was going to be bringing to them. I just wanted people to see what a cool situation we had going on, which was we were in the same arena as UWW USA Wrestling, and it was so cool to have so many wrestlers come throughout the whole thing that we were doing. Wonder what we were doing, and some of them signing up day of, Kevin. Wrestlers are crazy. crazy. Of course they're crazy. And some of them need to protect their neck a little bit more. But you know what? Come take classes with us. We'll teach you how to do it. And guess what? If we're really, truly martial artists, we're going to learn your takedowns as part of an equal exchange. That is the beauty of learning this art, is that so many people are willing to share an exchange. For example, Kevin, when I got there... And the guys were setting up, and there were just two wrestlers on our mats, just kind of like, you know, like, like that's the way everybody greets each other at a wrestling tournament. Everybody's like, does the bro hug, and then they immediately start pummeling. And so that's how I started greeting all the grapples, because I was like, I just, I, if we don't do this, I think we're going to get kicked out. And there were two wrestlers, they were on our mats, and they were warming up, and it was no big deal. And I think they were there to help. And I saw that they started kind of grappling a little bit. But not just any kind of grappling, Kevin. One of them was trying to do a Boston crap. What? But the problem was, yeah, he was trying to do a Boston crap. In but the problem was, well, he Video. didn't know. Oh, no, okay. he had no clue what I was doing. I thought at first I was about to be like, oh, does he think that I'm going to like gladiator oh, thumbs up or thumbs down him? Because <laughs> I totally will. Um, so, no, he was trying to do a Boston crab. And it's that kind of like almost jujitsu, almost wrestling, almost catch wrestling where I think he might hurt the person that he's training with. And uh, I walked over to him a bit after, and I was like, hey, man, were you trying to do the Walls of Jericho? And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay. And I go, can I can I show you the safe way to do it? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, here's this. And I was like, oh, by the way, this is a transition. He's like, is that a sharpshooter? And I was like, yes, from X-Guard. I know, I know. I invented it. No big deal. It's just me. But once I showed that to them, I was blowing their minds. <laughs> and they just looked at me, and they said, so do you learn this in jiu-jitsu? And I was like, well, if you're around me, yeah. There are other nerds that do this too. And so by the end, he looked over and he started like, you know, I left them alone. They're like, thanks, man. And I saw one of them trying to do like a Kurt Angle uh, ankle lock, which is a toehold. And he was doing it the wrong way. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. No, no, come here. And then I actually showed him. I was like, here's how Kurt Angle does it. Here's how jiu-jitsu does it. Would you like to experience how it is? And he's like, yeah. And I go, tell me if this hurts. And in true wrestler form, he doesn't want to tap at the very beginning. Yeah. And uh, the wrestler who I was doing it to, he just goes, ow. And I go, that's where you tap. <laughs> that would be it. Please tap. For the love of God, don't injure yourself, kids. So I felt like I passed on what, what, what my knowledge was. That's and nice uh, that was my experience. You know, that was that was great. But yes. Had a lot of great wrestlers come in. They did a really awesome job. A couple of them got some wins. A couple of them came, gave it their best shot, and I think really seemed to enjoy it. So we were, again, honored to be a part of that. Uh, we had so many great people. We had a lot of repeat customers, Kevin. We had people who came to the OC Open last week and then went to Fresno, which is almost three and a half, four hours away, Kevin. 
Wow. That's awesome. And they came up to compete with us again. I have to tell you, as a person producing that event, that made me feel good. That's a and testament it to you felt all. Like, to say. Well, it's a testament, I think, to our competitors and our movement. If go. it is us as well, thank you. But um, I want to highlight a couple of those folks who I thought were on fire. Uh, Alan Sanchez ended up beating uh, a 10th Planet standout. He ended up beating uh, Chad George. Ooh. Who is an EBI vet. Slap champ. <laughs> yep. Well, well, he won a runner. match. I'm sorry. He won a match. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I call them all slap champs if they just did it as type is what I consider. So. Next time I see somebody wins, I'll tell them slap champ and I'll say like, uh, my co-host came up with that. Blame him. Uh, Chad George was, uh, again, he's nicknamed Savage for a reason. He had some great matches with us. Um, I also got to see Colleen Schneider uh, do some work. So good to see. She even mixed it up with some of the guys. Uh, at the competition, which was awesome to see. I also want to go ahead and shout out Marty Robles, who was on fire. This dude was making it to the finals of our absolute division, our cash absolute. And instead of asking for time to recover, because we had to like speed things up toward the end, we're like, hey, man, we can take like five minutes in between matches. He was like, no. No. We had James Stockdale. A uh, guy who competed at our last tournament came over to compete at this one. He's a blue belt. He basically was uh, taking Chad George into deep waters, had great matches throughout. Uh, he was in the inexperienced or the uh, intermediate category and then ended up having to do expert, held his own. So want to shout him out. Uh, Victor Cervantes wins his division, a good friend of ours, monster killer. Uh, we also had our absolute winner, which is Uber Endino, who came to compete with us last week, ended up coming this week, won our absolute division. Uh, just a beast. He's great. And now he's going to go compete at the Finisher Show the Art Tournament. And I cannot be more excited for him. Uh, we're going to look to help him raise some money to get him out that way. Because uh, we at the USSGL, we care. So those are just some of them. They're going to come to me more as the days go on. Uh, I did know that I wanted to shout out uh, John Starks, who really impressed me. I also wanted to shout out uh, Billy Miranda, who came through and uh, at first he was asking, he's like, Hey man, where can I find the podcast? And I was like, well, which one are you talking about the show we did yesterday? Cause that's on the USS GL's um, Facebook page. Or are you talking about this podcast, this idiot show that I do? And he goes, I'll subscribe to your show. And I was like, you better. So I will know if you heard this because you will say the word gracias to me. If you did subscribe. That's how I know you'll have listened. Boom. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, I want to say this uh, real quick, which is uh, the guys, again, put together a great event. That's not just me. It is Eric Medina, Joey House, Drew Murillo, Octavio Villanueva. We also had Blair Green helping to run things and Michael Lopes, who came up to do some filming with us. And he's just a, I mean, he's a beast to train with as well. So that was the dynamic that we brought with us. And I was so thrilled that, the guys got the limelight and they got a whole bunch of cheers and the audience seemed to like it. And Kev, yeah. what if I were to tell you I know a little bit about the next event? Ooh, already? Yes, I can tell you it is happening the weekend of August, I believe, 12th and 13th. Oh, badass. And? Okay, this is, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Okay, okay. Ask me where it's taking place. Where? Don't they? What's the location? San Diego. Hold on. <laughs> Just where? <laughs> so it's taking place in San Diego. Now, Kevin, this is the part I get really giddy about. Ask me if it's getting 
to take place on a pier where there are battleships in background. No shit. Yes. Wow. Where? What is this? So if you guys follow wrestling, you know that they always have a premiere event out uh, on like battleship carriers. So we are, I believe, going to be part of that event. We have it confirmed from them, which means we get to confirm some dates for you guys very soon. Uh, we were talking about having an invitational the night before and then an open. That's in discussion. We don't know if that's going to happen. If you guys would even be remotely interested, I don't know. Or you know people who would want to compete in that. I don't know. Hit me up at Verbal Tapcast on all social media. But, Kev, we would have our open tournament. I believe we'll be doing Gi and No Gi. And uh, as always, we like to have cash prize for our absolute winner. So that is what I can tell you. But nothing makes me more excited than the thought of being outdoors and having the beautiful background setting of the San Diego Pier. Well, that's pretty. Okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep. Um, I'll keep my plans for that weekend a secret because I don't, <laughs> want, uh, I don't want to make you feel bad about where you're going to be. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So people, stay tuned and go get registered for this tournament you know what a place to vacation there's so many jiu-jitsu couples out there go out there have some fun do some grappling and (laughs) don't just think about us in san diego that weekend think about the fact that the uh next month on september 9th boogie that is our good friend boogeyman richie is going to be doing his ultimate mat warrior september 9th and our very own joey house will be on a super fight on that uh that's fantastic news I'm excited. I'll, I should post the footage of he and I's super fight first. I don't know if we can describe it. Yeah, I think that would really inspire some confidence on somebody's part. I don't know who. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. That wasn't a super fight, just to let you know, and no part was that ever sanctioned as a super fight. Oh, okay. Good to That's why I didn't take it so seriously. That's why. I well, that was my camera work, because you had me film it, and I don't know what my camera work was like, because there were several times when I just... I think I almost put the camera down. Like, don't film this. Oh, you were great. That's good. Okay. Just got some good spots. I'm, I'll cut out the uh, 30 seconds in between where he's getting me into the submission. So that's going to do it for us here tonight. We're going to move to some shout-outs. Raph probably has, uh, you know, a few as he gets in there. Um, I'll hit some. It's always good to hear our friend John Evans on the commentary at BJJ Breakdown. On Saturday, he had a moment where I was like, I think John might be, he was the only one commentating, and there was just match after match, and you could kind of hear him being like, so it's still just me, and it was a great, uh, it was a blast to, to hear some of those those moments and tune in and out of the commentary as needed, it's crazy that Jiu-Jitsu now has like these uh, standard commentary teams, like, absolutely, sure, why not? Uh, and I have gotten the clearance, Raph, because you're not the only one with some August news. I scheduled surgery today for August 10th, so everybody get excited. (laughs) (laughs) As Raph's going to be seeing jiu-jitsu and commentating on it with ships in the background, that is probably what's going to be going on in my head, and it'll feel the same because of the (laughs) painkillers. And in between, I have gotten a little finagling in this is a shout out to jubera he's cool with me just wrapping it and going boxing glove plan raf so that's uh what we're gonna do starting well tomorrow 
So does that mean you're taking it back to like the early days of UFC, Kev? Yeah, I did promise not to strike anyone. I was like, admittedly, if I did it, I'd start crying seconds later because the glove's just helpful for protection. I'm still not supposed <laughs> to use it much. And but I'm yeah, sorry, like what that. did you tell me I'm supposed to do with that? I just challenged you to, you know, have a glove day. Uh, put a boxing glove on your right hand. Just see how it goes. Don't use it. You didn't challenge me. You were trying to make me feel like, bad. You shouldn't use one it. either. <laughs> Those are the rules. <laughs> And when you said that to me, I just go like, you know, the dumb part is I would have. But then he started saying like, hey, you know what I mean? I think it's only fair that you wear one glove, too. <laughs> so. Let's see. Uh, but really, uh, I'm, you know, my summer's planned. So that's uh, what's going on. And uh, that's going to do it for me, Raph, on the shout outs. That's fantastic. Um, I am glad to hear Kevin is going to get surgery because we want to get him back to the mats as soon as possible. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Kevin's used to me being an asshole to him, right? Very. I want you not not very. It's it's appropriate. Don't act like I make things up. Like it's appropriate. Um, I want people here, our fans, to send in things that will cheer Kevin up for the next month and a half. Five star reviews. So, so five star reviews make him uh, the happiest. I know that for sure. Um, if you do those, send in a picture of that. You know what else Kevin loves? Puppies. Send this <laughs> man did photos you notice of puppies. I, I snuck a puppy photo in to uh, the, I did. the coverage. Mills was I just almost, sitting there on the body pillow. I almost complimented your work. As to Kevin handled most of the social media over the weekend for both worlds and for UFC two-on-two duties. And I almost said, man, Kevin, great job. And then I saw he was interlacing it with his usual nonsense, but more so the fact that he slid in a puppy just to be like, look, this is my dog. I love him. I'm on weed right now. I love him. So, yes, Kevin loves weed. He loves puppies. And he loves jujitsu. If you want to send him any of those things, you can do that at Verbal Tap Cast. This is uh, Cheer Kevin Up is going to be the hashtag we're going to do. Because Kevin's used to me being an asshole, but guess what? Nothing's worse than super nice ref. Because here's the thing, Kev. If you have to train less, you're no good to me. It's almost like you're kicked off the podcast. Okay. That's good to know. It is good to know. But, but, but we're going to make sure you come back and you come back strong. So that's why we're using this this uh, reverse psychology on you. You wouldn't even expect me to be nice to you. Anyway, shout out number one, Kevin, good work on the weekend. Shout out number two, uh, John Evans, great job. I got to catch up with him for a little bit. Um, at one point when I saw him doing it by itself, I did, it was too late. I would have just jumped on there and just started talking with him. But then the very next day when I did commentary on my own, I was like, John, I feel your pain. Uh, I should have just done it as John at one point. Mm. <laughs> best opportunity fun twist uh, <laughs> fun twist uh, i want to th- again thank everybody who came and who helped out super love I cannot get enough uh, behind that uh to everybody who watched and shared the videos that's so great just know that we're going to send a thank you letter with podium pictures links to that and then links to some of our videos from the weekend as soon as those things drag in so if you did see it be patient we're all dead tired and we're doing our best to get that up as soon as possible um that will be on the ussgl facebook page so that's ussgl 
USSCL. And what timing, just as the dogs start to explode, because I, I think that's going to do it for us. Is that- I think so. And I want to, uh, well, hold on. One quick thing. I'm going to breeze through a whole bunch of people. Yeah. So I have a whole bunch of people at Worlds. I can't name you all, but let's just name as many as I can think. Kevin, give me one minute on the clock. One minute starts now. I want to go ahead and thank everybody at Worlds I saw. So that means Andrew. That means Ron. That means John Evans. That means Tyler Bishop. That means, uh, oh, God, Paul Moran, who I ran into, and he's doing okay. And he said to say, I hate you guys. That means people like Kit Dale, who I ran into, couldn't be nicer. Uh, I also want to send shout-outs to like, all of the people who were sending in those nice notes about the whole photography thing. I know that sucked, but that was great. I also want to send shout-outs to our media friends, you know, like Blanca, who were sending really nice notes. I also want to send shout-outs to all of our friends who I didn't really get to train with, who I really wanted to see. That means like Aberystwyth Fuentes, Johnny Morgan, all of those people. I will come train back that way very, very soon. Also, big thanks to everybody who was uh, supporting our event and sent in notes and told people to come compete at the USSGL. That's like Cole Franson. That's like uh, Renee Lopez. That's Chase After. That's Damian Nitkin. That's Beth. That's Turtle. That's all of those great people who couldn't have been better cheerleaders. I know you guys are always so great and supportive. And I also want to give a big shout out to Valley Martial Arts Center and LA Jiu-Jitsu Club and uh, the USSGL. I already said that one, but you know who you are. And, uh, I think I'm done. Be <laughs> back. <laughs> That'll do it for us here tonight at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thank you for listening. Good night. Thank you. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.